ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد So today then we're going to cover the explanation of the hadith of Ammar ibn Yasir regarding the remembrance, the dua that can be done after the tashahud before the final salam. لَقَدْ مَرَّ مَعَنَا حَدِيثُ Ammar ibn Yasir رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ الْمُشْتَمِلْ عَلَى ذَلِكُمُ الدُّعَاءِ العظيم الذي كان يدعو به النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في صلاته So we already mentioned the actual hadith last time the dua was mentioned in the previous chapter and here now then we're going to cover that narration وهو ما رواه النسائي وغيره عن عطاء بن السائب عن أبيه رضي الله عنه قال صلى بنا عمار بن ياسر رضي الله عنه صلاة فأوجز فيها فقال له بعض القوم لقد خففت أو أوجزت الصلاة فقال أما على ذلك فقد دعوت فيها بدعوات سمعتهن من رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فلما قام تبعه رجل من القوم هو أبي غير أنه كنا عن نفسه فسأله عن الدعاء ثم جاء فأخبر به القوم اللهم بعلمك الغيب وقدرتك على الخلق أحيني ما علمت الحياة خيرا لي وتوفني إذا علمت الوفاة خيرا لي اللهم وأسألك خشيتك في الغيب والشهادة وأسألك كلمة الحق في الرضا والغضب وأسألك القصد في الفقر والغنى وأسألك نعيما لا ينفد وأسألك قرة عين لا تنقطع وأسألك الرضا بعد القضاء وأسألك برد العيش بعد الموت وأسألك لذة النظر إلى وجهك والشوق إلى لقائك في غير ضراء مضرة ولا فتنة مضلة اللهم زينا بزينة الإيمان وجعلنا هداة مهتدين The hadith will break it down in the explanation But this particular narration هو حديث عظيم عظيم النفع كبير الفائدة It is a hadith that is of tremendous benefit Mushtamilun ala ma'anin alima, which has many great meanings within it. Wadalalatin nafi'ah, 
متعلقة بالعقيدة والعبادة والأخلاق and it has many important indications and guidances in regards to aqidah and worship and etiquette and manners وَإِنَّمَا تَعْظُمُ فَائِدَةُ الْمُسْلِمِ مِنْ مِثْلِ هَذِهِ الدَّعْوَاتِ الْمُبَارَكَةِ بِوَقُوفِهِ عَلَى مَعَانِيهَا وَفَهْمِهِ لَدَلَالَاتِهَا وَمَرَامِيهَا But the Muslim, his benefit will increase if he ponders and thinks about these du'as and understands their meanings. If the Muslim comprehends the meanings of these du'as, he will benefit even more from them. So this particular hadith then, it mentions how one time, Ammar ibn Yasir prayed, led them in prayer. Ammar ibn Yasir led them in prayer and he made it a short prayer. Lightened the prayer. So some of them said to him, you made the prayer very short. And he said to them that actually I made dua within it. With great duas that I learned or heard from the Prophet ﷺ. And this was it. And so the beginning of it. Allahumma bi'ilmika al-ghayb. وَقُدْرَتِكَ عَلَى الْخَلْقِ أَحْيِنِي مَا عَلِمْتَ الْحَيَاةَ خَيْرًا لِي وَتَوَفَّنِي إِذَا عَلِمْتَ الْوَفَاةَ خَيْرًا لِي The beginning part of the dua says, O oh Allah, with your knowledge of the unseen, O oh Allah, with your knowledge of the unseen, and with your ability over all of the creation, Allow me to continue living, to stay alive, if indeed life is better for me. If it is in my best interests to continue living, and you know the unseen, that it will be good for me to carry on living, then let me continue living and leave me alive. But if you know, that death is better for me, better for me now, then cause me to die. So in this opening section, فِيهِ تَفْوِيضُ الْعَبْدُ أُمُورَهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ You are placing your affairs into the trust of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَطَلَبْ الْخِيَرَ فِي أَحْوَالِهِ And you are فِي أَحْوَالِهِ مِنْهُ سُبْحَانَ You are asking Allah to make the choice on your affairs, meaning if life is better to let you live, if death is better to cause you to die. مُتَوَسِّلًا إِلَيْهِ سُبْحَانَهُ بِعِلْمِهِ الَّذِي أَحَاطَ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ And you are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by His knowledge, you're seeking that wasila through acknowledging and affirming 
the great knowledge of Allah, that Allah has the knowledge of all of the unseen and is the all-capable upon the creation, that if you know life is better for me to continue, then let me live. And if you know it's better for me to die, then cause me to die. وَأَنَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ يَعْلَمُ خَفَايَ الْأُمُورُ وَبَوَاطِنَهَا And that is of course because Allah knows the discreet affairs and the hidden affairs, knows all of the matters. كَمَا يَعْلَمُ ظَاهِرَهَا وَعَلَنَهَا Just as Allah knows the apparent affairs. وَبِقُدْرَتِهِ النَّافِذَ فِي جَمِيعِ الْخَلْقِ فَلَا مُعَقِّبَ لِحِكْمِهِ لِحُكْمِهِ وَلَا رَادَّ لِقَضَائِهِ And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the all-capable and what He decrees and declares to occur, then it occurs. And there is nobody who can obstruct His wisdom nor prevent His decree وَمِنَ الْمَعْلُومِ أَنَّ الْعَبْدَ لَا يَعْلَمُ عَوَاقِبَ الْأُمُورِ وَمَآلَاتِهَا And as for the servants, we do not know what the end results of things will be. We do not know where the decree will lead. وَهُوَ مَعَ هَذَا عَاجِزٌ عَنْ تَحْصِيلِ مَصَالِحِهِ وَدَفْعِ مَضَارِهِ So we are incapable of recognizing and knowing and achieving and acquiring what is good for us and repelling what is bad for us. Except by what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala aids him upon and facilitates for him. فَتَبْقَى حَاجَةُ الْعَبْدِ مَاسَّةً so our need to Allah is tremendous. It is a great need to Allah because we do not know the unseen and we do not know what will be and what will not. So we are always in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we are in need of Allah to always rectify our affairs وَيَخْتَارُ لَهُ الْخَيْرَ حَيْثُ كَانْ And for Allah to, to select for us the goodness, wherever that goodness may be for us. And that's why you say at the beginning of this dua, أَحْيِنِي مَا عَلِمْتَ الْحَيَاةَ خَيْرًا لِي Allow me to live, continue living, if you know that life is better for me. To continue living is better for me. If that is the case for me, then allow me to live. وَتَوَفَّنِي إِذَا عَلِمْتَ الْوَفَاةَ خَيْرًا لِي And cause me to die if you know that death is better for me. وَلِهَذَا جَاءَ النَّهْيُ فِي السُنَّةِ عَنْ تَمَنِّ الْمَوْتِ لِذُرِّ النَّزَلَ بِالْعَبْدِ لِجَهْلِ الْعَبْدِ بِالْعَوَاقِبِ That's why it is mentioned in the sunnah, it is impermissible to wish for death. It is impermissible to wish for death due to some calamity or difficulty that's happened to you. It's impermissible to wish for death, as the people they do. 
And the people, they end up saying, if only, uh, it would be better if they just died. It would be better if they just died, and it would be better if they were just dead now. And they say these kinds of things when calamities and difficulties occur. It is not permissible to wish for death because of some difficulty or calamity. And that is because of this. You do not know what the outcomes are going to be. You may be in some great difficulty and calamity right now. But you do not know where you will be in a month or two months or six months or even a week from now. The whole calamity may have been removed from you. So it is not permissible at that time, just because you see the calamity right now, to wish for death. You do not know what will be decreed for you and what may occur a week later, even a day later out of that calamity. So that's why it mentions in the sunnah, in the hadith, لا يتمنى أحدكم الموت Let not any of you wish for death. إِمَّا مُحْسِنًا فَلَعَلَّهُ يَزْدَادُ Either you are a righteous good doer, so maybe if you live you'll continue doing more righteousness and more goodness. That's good for you. وَإِمَّا مُسِيئًا فَلَعَلَّهُ يَسْتَعْتِبُ Or, maybe you are a sinner, and if that is the case, maybe by living, you can then repent and seek forgiveness from Allah for that. And so by living, it's better for you. You have the opportunity to repent and seek forgiveness for your shortcomings and sins you had fallen into. So in either case, if you're a righteous person, then don't wish for death, you continue upon your righteousness. And if you're a disobedient and wrongdoer, that type of person, you don't wish for death, because by living you then have the opportunity to seek forgiveness from those sins. So the hadith mentions, لَا يَتَمَنَّا أَحَدُكُمُ الْمَوْتِ Let not any of you wish for death. إِمَّا مُحْسِنًا فَلَعَلَّهُ يَزْدَادُ Either you're a good doer so you can live and carry on doing more good. وَإِمَّا مُسِيئًا فَلَعَلَّهُ يَسْتَعْتِبُ Or if you're a wrongdoer, then perhaps if you live, you have the opportunity to seek forgiveness then. And have those sins wiped out before you die. So in the hadith here, you're not wishing for death. What you are saying is, Oh Allah, if you know that death at this time is better for me, then so be it. But if you know living is better for me, and I will benefit from that and earn the rewards from that, etc., then allow me to carry on living. So you're not actually wishing for death in that statement. There's no contradiction. وَقَوْلُهُ وَأَسْأَلُكَ خَشْيَتَكَ فِي الْغَيْبِ وَالشَّهَادَةِ And the statement of the messenger that I ask of you, your khashya, meaning that you are in a state of submission and humility and awe and fear of Allah at all times. You are in that fear of Allah at all times. And in that awe of Allah, so you're constantly upon obedience and staying away from haram. You're asking Allah to have that khashiyah in all times. Fil ghaybi wa shahada. In when you in private or in public. Fil ghaybi wa shahada. Ay an akhshaka ya Allah. 
فِي السِّرِّ وَالْعَلَانِيَةِ You're asking Allah to give you that khashiyah, to be upon that khashiyah, that fear of Allah at all times in private and public. Inwardly and outwardly, al-zahir wal-batin. وَفِي حَالِ كَوْنِي مَعَ النَّاسِ أَوْ غَائِبًا عَنْهُمْ And during when you are with other people in public or privately absent from them. فَإِنَّ مِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَرَى نَفْسَهُ يَخْشَى اللَّهَ فِي الْعَلَانِيَةِ وَالشَّهَادَةِ وَلَكِنِ الشَّأْنَ خَشْيَةَ اللَّهِ فِي الْغَيْبِ There are some people who when they are in public in front of others, then they are able to be upon that khashiyah of Allah. And they will not do anything haram, they will not do anything impermissible, they will not do any sins when they are with the people in public, they have the khashiyah then. But the reality the shaykh says here is, the reality and what the real test is, whether you have the khashiyah when you're alone, when you're in private, away from the eyes of the people. That's where the test really is. إِذَا غَابَ عَنْ أَعْيُنِ النَّاسِ وَأَنْظَارِهِمْ When you are hidden from the eyes of the people and their sight. وَقَدْ مَدَحَ اللَّهُ مَنْ خَافَهُ بِالْغَيْبِ And Allah praised those who fear Him in privacy, away from the eyes of the people, not just publicly. As Allah said, أَلَّذِينَ يَخْشَوْنَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَيْبِ وَهُمْ مِنَ السَّاعَةِ مُشْفِقُونَ Those who fear Allah بِالْغَيْبَ When they are in privacy, away from the people, not in public. Privately, nobody sees them, but still, they fear Allah and they do not fall into the haram. And also, مَنْ خَشِيَ الرَّحْمَانَ بِالْغَيْبِ وَجَاءَ بِقَلْبٍ مُنِيبٍ the one who fears Ar-Rahman has that awe of Allah. Bil Ghaib, when he's by himself, in privacy. And he will come, he comes with a, a, a repent, uh, uh, or a heart that is repenting to Allah and returning to Allah, comes with that heart of fear and repentance. So that is one thing you ask for Allah, ask from Allah, the khashiyah at all times, privately and publicly. Then secondly, وَأَسْأَلُكَ كَلِمَةَ الْحَقِّ فِي الرِّضَى وَالْغَضَبِ That I ask you to say that I be a person who says the truth and the goodness, whether in a state of contentment and happiness or in a state of anger even. That I be from those who speaks with the upright statement, whether in a time of contentment and happiness, but even at a time of anger, that only the truth comes from me. So, فيه سؤال الله قول الحق حال رضا الإنسان وحال غضبه وقول الحق في الناس حال الغضب عزيز. Speaking the truth when you're happy with someone, when you're pleased with someone, then that's easy. It's easy when somebody is your friend, you're happy with them, 
you're content with them, they are with you, then it's easy to speak good words about them. That's easy. But here you're asking Allah, even if something happens and there's some anger from you to another person, that you still don't oppress and say something false. You still speak the truth. If there is truth about him, he's good at this. You still speak the truth about the affairs. You don't let your anger upon a person cause you to speak evil of him in oppression. Oppressing him and saying evil of him that is not befitting and deserving. So you're asking Allah to make you of that type of person who can keep his tongue upright. Whether you're pleased with people, which is easy, but even if you're angry at someone, you can maintain an upright tongue in regards to them. You're not going to start lying about them. You're not going to start backbiting them. You're not going to stop making up stories about them. You're not going to start trying to get everybody to turn against him just because now you're angry at him for something. You're asking Allah to make you a just person, to make your tongue to speak the truth in all cases. And the Shaykh says here, when it's a case of happiness with someone, that's easy. When it's a case of you being angry with someone, for you to remain upright, then that is aziz. Meaning that's very rare. It's very rare for a person, if you're angry at someone, that you still speak the truth and remain upright. The majority of people, if they're angry at someone, they'll make a thousand things about him now. Oh, but he did he this and he that and... And five years ago he did this, and ten years ago one time he said this to me, you know. And fifteen years ago I remember he did this. Now all of a sudden, mashallah, all of the history books that come into your mind about this person. All of the history comes to your mind. Seven years ago he did this, and twelve years ago he did this. And seventeen years ago I remember this happened and he said this. Mashallah, all of the history is there now in your head about this person. So the sheikh says it's very aziz. That you can remain upright and you can remain upon truthfulness in your tongue. When that situation occurs, maybe something happens and some disagreement occurs, some anger occurs. So you ask Allah to make you a just person. As'aluka kalimat al-haq. That I ask you to be upon that statement of truth. Whether in al-rida, when you're happy with someone, which is easy then. But also in Al-Ghadab. And that is because the Shaykh says, لِأَنَّ الْغَضَبَ يَحْمِلُ صَاحِبَهُ عَلَىٰ أَنْ يَقُولَ خِلَافَ الْحَقِّ وَيَفْعَلْ غَيْرَ الْعَدْلِ Because anger causes a person to speak contrary to the truth. And to do things that are unjust. Anger causes a person to say things that are contrary to the truth. To lie, to make up things, to backbite, to spread stories. And to do things that are not just. To behave in injustice against that person. And so that's why he says it is very rare for a person to be able to maintain that uprightness and truthfulness when you're angry at someone, 
When you're happy with them, that's easy, he says. When you're happy, that's easy. It is easy to praise your friend and to speak good of him and he's, uh, uh, you know, to mention all of the praise about him and recommend him and all types of things, whatever it might be. But then if the anger occurs, now all of a sudden, all of a sudden everything has dropped. Now he's this and he's that and he's this and he's that. So the Shaykh says it causes a person to speak contrary to the truth. And it causes a person to behave in an unjust manner. وَقَدْ مَدَحَ اللَّهُ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ مَنْ يَغْفِرُ إِذَا غَضِبَ دُونَ أَنْ يَحْمِلَهُ غَضَبُهُ عَلَى الْبَغِي وَالْعِدْوَانِ And Allah praises the servants, His servants, who are able to forgive when they are angry. And that they do not allow their anger to cause them to transgress. Because that is the case for the majority of the people. Anger causes you to transgress. To transgress against another person. قَالَ تَعَالَى وَإِذَا مَا هُمْ يَغْفِرُونَ Allah mentioned in the Qur'an that when they are angered, they forgive. That is the praiseworthy way. وَمَنْ كَانَ لَا يَقُولُ إِلَّا الْحَقِّ فِي الْغَضَبُ وَالْرِضَى فَهَذَا دَلِيلٌ عَلَى شِدَّةِ إِيمَانِهِ وَأَنَّهُ يَمْلِكُ زِمَامَ نَفْسِهِ The person who is able to control himself and speak the truth, whether you're happy with someone or something has happened and you're angry with someone, Someone who can maintain the truth and not transgress against those people then, then that shows the strength of his iman. Because very few people can do that. If you become angry, naturally all that comes to people is to transgress. He this and he that and all types of things. But if you can control yourself, it shows the strength of your iman. And it shows that you've got a control over yourself. You have control over yourself and a strength in your iman. That even when you're angry with someone, you're not going to transgress and stop making up things now. You're going to maintain the truth. You're going to stick to the correct speech. And you're not going to start trying to make up things or transgress against that individual because of your anger. If you can do that, it shows the strength of your iman and the ability that you have to control the self-control. And that's why it mentions in a hadith, لَيْسَ الشَّدِيدُ بِسَرْعَةِ إِنَّمَا الشَّدِيدُ الَّذِي يَمْلِكُ نَفْسَهُ عِنْدَ الْغَضَبِ The powerful one is not the one who is powerful physically in wrestling, you can take other people down. The powerful one is the one who can control himself at the time of anger. That's where the real power is. The one who can control himself at the time of anger. Power isn't just physically wrestling and beating and you can beat the next person up. It's not physical power. The reality of power is whether you have control over your affairs. And again, very few people. The natural reaction of a person when becoming angry is to lose control of yourself. To become angry and start saying all types of things and transgressing and oppressing and that's the way of the people so if you can control yourself that is the reality of that strength in a person 
Then also, وَأَسْأَلُكَ الْقَصْدَ فِي الْفَقْرِ وَالْغِنَى But I ask you to be uh, to be in a state, in a balanced state. To be in a balanced state whether I am in poverty or in riches. Whether I'm in poverty or whether I'm rich, for me to remain as a balanced individual. Not to go to excess if I become wealthy and not to start going into excess on the other side in affairs if I become in poverty, in excessive begging and affairs. Not to go into extremes, whatever my situation is, to remain in that economical, balanced way, whatever my affairs may be. So, إِنْ كَانَ فَقِيرًا لَمْ يَقْتَرِئْ خَوْفًا مِنْ نَفَادِ الرِّزْقِ وَلَمْ يُسْرِفْ بِتَحْمِيلِ نَفْسِهِ مَا لَا طَاقَةَ لَهُ بِهِ So, if you're in poverty, you do not go to any extremes in your behavior, fearing that you're going to completely run out of rizq and you're going to have nothing left to eat, and you don't go into exaggeration in your affairs, if you're struggling financially. And neither on the other side do you go into excessiveness in spending if Allah blesses you with wealth. So you ask Allah to give you that character that you can balance yourself. Whether you're rich or you're facing some poverty, you can be in that balanced state in yourself, not go into excess if you have money or go into extreme depression if you're starting to experience some poverty that you can maintain yourself balanced no matter what your state is. And then, وَأَسْأَلُكَ نَعِيمًا لَا يَنْفَدْ Oh Allah, I ask you for a blessing that does not run out. A blessing that does not run out. And of course that is only one blessing, that is the blessing of the afterlife, the blessing of paradise. وَهُوَ نَعِيمُ الْآخِرَةِ That is the blessing of the afterlife. As Allah said, مَا عِنْدَكُمْ يَنْفَدْ وَمَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ What you have, it runs out. But what is with Allah never runs out. What you have is finite. But what is with Allah is infinite. It will never run out. It will remain and in another ayah, إِنَّ هَذَا لَرِزْقُنَا مَا لَهُمْ مِنْ نَفَادِ Indeed, this is our provisions, the provisions we give. And there is no end to it. The provision that Allah gives to the people, it does not run out. And then also, وَأَسْأَلُكَ قُرَّةَ عَيْنٍ لَا تَنْقَطِعَ I ask you for the coolness of the eyes that does not end. Meaning, to ask Allah for joy, continuous joy and goodness. قُرَّةُ الْعَيْنِ مِنْ جُمْلَةِ النَّعِيمِ وَالنَّعِيمِ مِنْهُ مَا هُوَ مُقَطِعُ وَمِنْهُ مَا لَا يَنْقَطِعُ وَمَنْ قَرَّتْ عَيْنُهُ بِالدُّنْيَا فَقْرَةُ عَيْنِهِ مُنْقَطِعَةُ وَسُرُورُهُ فِيهَا زَائِلُ so the person who achieves happiness and joy in this world, then that is only temporary. That is only temporary and will not last. It will cut off in the end. 
it will finish in the end. فَإِنَّ الْمُؤْمِنَ لَا تَقَرُّ عَيْنُهُ فِي الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا بِمَحَبَّةِ اللَّهِ The only way you can have a continuous blessing in this world, continuous joy in this world, is in your love for Allah, not your love for the world. Your love for the world may give you some pleasure and whatever it may be from the worldly affairs, but that cuts off. The reality of the coolness of your eyes, that pleasure is in your love for Allah. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ used to say, وَجُعِلَتْ قُرَّةُ عَيْنِي فِي الصَّلَةِ The coolness of my eye, meaning what gives me joy, is the prayer. The prayer gives me joy and brings me peace and comfort. That is the prayer, not the worldly affairs. And then also, وَأَسْأَلُكَ الرِّضَى بَعْدَ الْقَضَى That I ask you Allah to make me content and satisfied and happy with whatever decree occurs. I ask you to make me content and satisfied and happy with whatever decree occurs, however it occurs. لِأَنَّهُ حِينَ إِذٍ تَبَيَّنَ حَقِيقَةُ الرِّضَى وَأَمَّا الرِّضَى قَبْلَ الْقَضَاءِ فَإِنَّهُ عَزْمٌ مِنَ الْعَبْدِ عَلَى الرِّضَى وَإِنَّمَا يَتَحَقَّقُ الرِّضَى إِذَا وَقَعَ الْقَضَاءِ Prior to something happening, you may think to yourself that of course I will be pleased with the decree of Allah, I will, I will, I will. But the reality of the test is after that decree occurs, are you now content and satisfied with the decree of Allah? The real test is when it actually happens. Can you then really demonstrate your patience and contentment and satisfaction with the decree of Allah then? It's one thing believing that you will, it's another thing. Can you actually do it? That's why in the dua, you don't say, make me from those who has the intention of being patient, etc. You're asking Allah to give you that contentment and peace and comfort and satisfaction بعد القضاء, after something actually occurs so in the real situation that you can be from those who are still patient no matter what the calamity or difficulty may be وَأَسْأَلُكَ بَرْدَ الْعَيْشِ بَعْدَ الْمَوْتِ that I ask you for the coolness of existence after death meaning of course after death to have the blessings and not to be in the punishment هَذَا يَدُلُّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الْعَيْشِ وَطِيبَهُ وَبَرْدَهُ إِنَّمَا يَكُونُ بَعْدَ الْمَوْتِ فَإِنَّ الْعَيْشَ قَبْلَ الْمَوْتِ مُنَغَّصٌ وَلَوْ لَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ مُنَغَّصٌ غَيْرَ الْمَوْتِ لَكَفَى فَكَيْفَ وَلَهُ مُنَغَّصَاتٌ كَثِيرَ مِنَ الْهُمُومِ وَالْغُمُومِ وَالْأَسْقَامِ وَالْهَرَمِ وَمُفَارَقَةِ الْحِبَّةِ وَغَيْرَ ذَلِكَ The reality of a Peaceful existence only occurs after death. In this world, there is never going to be that same type of peacefulness. Because in this world, there are all of the tests and trials that Allah puts upon a person. Whether they are tests and trials that cause you concern about things, they cause you grief about things, they cause you worry about things, illnesses, diseases, old age, becoming weak, death, 
losing friends who die. Lots of things happen in this world. There's never constant peace. There's always something going on. The reality of that comfort of heart and peace in your heart constantly, that occurs after this life, after death, in the afterlife where there is then that consistency in that peace and comfort. And then also, وَأَسْأَلُكَ لَذَّةَ النَّظَرِ إِلَى وَجْهِكَ وَالشَّوْقِ إِلَى لِقَائِكَ فِي غَيْرِ ذَرَّ مُضِرَّ وَلَا فِتْنَ مُضِلَّ That I ask you to have the pleasure of looking at your face of Allah. And to be from those desiring to meet you. And this will come up here now. هَذَا قَدْ جَمَعَ فِيهِ بَيْنَ أَطْيَبْ شَيْفِ الدُّنْيَا وَهُوَ الشَّوْقِ إِلَى لِقَاءِ اللَّهِ وَأَطْيَبْ شَيْفِ الْآخِرَةِ وَهُوَ النَّظَرُ إِلَى وَجْهِ الْكَرِيمِ So there are two things here. One is the desire to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is the, the most beautiful affair a person could want. To meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this world, that is a great affair for a person to desire to meet Allah. And then in the afterlife, the greatest affair is to actually see Allah then. That is the greatest of the blessings in the afterlife. وَلَمَّا كَانَ تَمَامُ ذَلِكَ مَوْقُوفًا عَلَىٰ عَدَمِ وُجُودِ مَا يَضُرُّهُ فِي الدُّنْيَا أَوْ يَفْتِنُهُ فِي الدِّينِ so, you're asking Allah to make you from those who desires to meet Him. And you're asking Allah to protect you whilst you're in this dunya, to protect you from the affairs that are harmful or from the trials and tribulations that may misguide you. You're asking Allah for safety and protection from those affairs up until that afterlife occurs. And we know that seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the afterlife, that is established through multiple narrations, that we will indeed see Allah in the afterlife. There are many ayat in the Qur'an that prove it. There are ahadith in the sunnah, multiple narrations that prove it. It is established the correct aqidah without a doubt that we will indeed see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the afterlife. It mentions here in this hadith, إِذَا دَخَلَ أَهْلُ الْجَنَّةِ الْجَنَّةِ يَقُولُ اللَّهُ تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَى When the people of paradise enter paradise, Allah says to them, أَتُرِيدُونَ شَيْئًا أَزِيدُكُمْ Do you want anything I can give you more? After they are already in paradise and they have all the blessings. Is there any more blessing I can give you? فَيَقُولُونَ And they say, أَلَمْ تُبَيِّضْ وُجُوهَنَا Did you not whiten or enlighten our faces? أَلَمْ تُدْخِلْنَا الْجَنَّ وَتُنْجِنَا مِنَ النَّارِ Did you not enter us into paradise and save us from the hellfire? Meaning it's as though they are saying, what else could there be? You've given us all these blessings, what else could there be? So then it is mentioned, قَالْ فَيَكْشِفُ الْحِجَابِ Allah then removes the covering. فَمَا أُعْطُوا شَيْئًا أَحَبَّ إِلَيْهِمْ مِنَ النَّظَرِ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ عَزَّ وَجَلِ Then they are not given anything else more beloved to them than being able to see their Lord. 
And then at the end of the dua, Allahumma zayyinna bizinatil imani waj'alna hudat muhtadeen. That our Allah adorn us, adorn us with the adornment of iman. Adorn us with the adornment of iman. And make us from those who are rightly guided, those who guide rightly and are rightly guided. And the adornment of iman, that includes of course of the heart, with having the correct aqidah, and having the correct actions of the heart, adornment of the tongue in your speech and your uh, worship upon the tongue, and also adornment of your limbs, that you do the good and righteous actions upon your limbs. وَجَعَلْنَا هُدَاتًا مُهْتَدِينَ Make us from those who guide ourselves and we guide others. We guide ourselves and we guide others. That is the highest of the levels. أَنْ يَكُونَ الْعَبْدُ عَالِمًا بِالْحَقِّ مُتَّبِعًا That a servant knows what the truth is and follows it. مُعَلِّمًا لِغَيْرِهِ مُرْشِدًا Educating and teaching others and directing them to it as well. فَبِهَذَا يَكُونُ هَادِيًا مَهْدِيًا That's how a person is then a guider and guided himself. He is guided and he is helping to guide others too. So that is the dua that a person can make at the end of the prayer before the salam. And you can see the tremendous meanings in this dua. If a person made this dua in the prayer, what great meanings there are within that particular dua. Uh, We'll conclude upon the chapter. We'll start the next chapter next time, which is Al-Adhkaru Ba'da Salam. So now it's got to the level where the prayer is completed. What are the du'as you're supposed to make after you give the salam? After you finish the prayer? We know here now on this issue, there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding between people. And they make a lot of dua after the prayer and all types of things. So we'll get to that chapter next time, inshallah, about what you're supposed to do exactly after you finish the prayer. So we'll conclude upon that for today then.